to Paradox Culture Podcast. We are so excited to be back for Season 2, Episode 4 today. And uh, as always, we are about doing some fun stuff at the Paradox Culture Podcast. we got a special guest I'm excited about today, Philip, and we'll introduce him in just a second. But, you know, as we say here at the Paradox Culture Podcast, it's where we challenge when our words don't say the same thing as our life does. Right. And so that's what our podcast is about. And today we're going to be talking in this episode, very unique episode, <laughs> about Christians. It is our Christian duty to vote. You've heard a lot about voting. If you have any social media whatsoever, you probably are sick about hearing about voting. So today we're going to make you more sick about voting. Actually, hopefully it'll be very helpful with my guests. So, of course, as always, we have our co-host, Philip Blancardi. Say hello, Philip. Hello, everybody. Glad you are here. Glad you're listening. And this is my very special guest, Gary Marks. He's a close personal friend, but also the president of Madison Strategies. And uh, he'll get in in just a minute about what all that means. But Gary and I have known each other for several years, um, served on staff at my last church, and he was a very strong faithful and is a very strong faithful member of that church and um, very involved member of that church. Also, he is also responsible for my obstacle course racing (laughs) racing addiction, Spartan (laughs) racing addiction. So it is his fault that I pay people to torture me. (laughs) That's Uh, a good summary of how that works. Yes. (laughs) So that is his his doing. He has ruined me and (laughs) saved me many times on the course. So I'm so glad that you're here, Gary. Thanks for being with us today. And uh, we're going to have a great time diving into this why should Christians vote topic because it's something that we need to know why – we as Christians need to be a part of this. Yep. And we're not going to go dive into parties and political of who to vote for, mm-hmm. but we are going to talk about why is it our Christian duty to vote. So before we get there, I want you to tell me something, Gary, so the audience kind of, we're going to do two things. Number one, Philip's going to, as always, with all of our guests, throw a bunch of questions at you. Quick answers. Okay. Don't, over, don't overthink it. We just want to let the audience warm up stuff, get mm-hmm. them to know you a little bit better and your personality. And then I'm going to get you to uh, tell us a little bit more about what Madison Strategies is and how you got there. Sure. Okay. So, Philip, let's hit the rapid fire questions. All right, Gary. So, I get the honor of asking you a couple questions. So, we kind of get Bring it the, on. Uh, Bring it on. audience a little accustomed to who you are. So, got a couple things lined up for you. And so, our first question is going to start with if you were had the option – would you do cake or pie? Cake. Cake. All right. Um, mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to sports, would you rather watch football or basketball? Football. Football. All right. What's worse, doing the laundry or doing the dishes? Dishes. Dishes. I agree with you. That is the worst <laughs> by far in my household. Absolutely. All right. Hamburgers or tacos? Ooh. Yeah. I, I skipped past the hot dog question this time. I thought we'd go with tacos instead. Yeah. Still, still burgers. <laughs> still burgers. Still burgers. Right. Close. Right. Yes. That's close. That's a tough one. Yeah. I Everyone likes to go hot, hot uh, hamburgers over hot dogs, mm. but True. throw tacos in the mix. It's Man. a different game. Ever since Woo. they watched that documentary on how hot dogs are made. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're at a movie. You getting candy or are you getting popcorn? Neither. Neither. Ooh, I've okay. never bought anything at a theater before. <laughs> That's fair. That is a, as he sneaks it in. That is wise financial decision. I sneak it in. That's even you're, you're in the back row. <laughs> We're getting to know more about Gary than we thought. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, maybe you are, maybe you're not a coffee drinker, but iced coffee or hot coffee? 
Uh, I am recently a coffee drinker, and I'm now iced coffee. Okay, iced coffee. Yeah. All right, as we get it closer, would you say you're more uh, accustomed to uh, winter or summer? In, in Georgia, I prefer winter. Okay. Is there another state that you prefer, prefer Everywhere summer? else, summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. All right. Um, when you're sleeping at night, do you prefer to have the fan on? Or fan off? on. Always right. 100%. What about you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. My house is like yeah. 68 degrees year-round. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Um, all right. Would you rather talk on the phone or text? Talk on the phone. All right. All right. All right. Final question. This really will give me everything I need to know about you. Are you a dog person or a cat person? Dog. Dog. All right. Yeah. Good answer. Good mm. answer. So, very cool. Very good answers. There was something you said that was very interesting to me. One. The movies. The of movies, course. of course. I imagine give you a whole else. lesson on yeah. how to bring <laughs> stuff into the theater. There's something else. Proper technique. I've noted and now I forgot what it was. So I, it'll come back to me halfway through and I'll bring it back up. But as we dive back in, because I've, I've, like I say, we've known each other for some time now. And one of the reasons I wanted you to come and help us with this podcast today, because I feel like you've got some great great insight that a lot of people don't have mm -hmm. and you've got god's given you this platform and this ability uh from a perspective of politics and you and i've had gazillions of conversations about politics but just how they operate why they mm -hmm. you know what are some of the things we need to <coughs> think about as believers as it comes to our politics and so uh, but I always try to describe what you do to people, sure. and it's kind of like trying to describe somebody who works in the CIA. You don't really ever know what they do, <laughs> so will you kind of just give the people an overview yeah. of kind of what you're So your y you have is. trouble describing the wind. You can feel the wind, and That's you know right. it's there. But <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm president of Madison Strategies. That's my own public affairs political consulting firm. started that about six years ago. Um, I did that after... Uh, being at the helm, executive director of the Faith and Freedom Coalition, which is a national organization, but based in Duluth. Mm -hmm. And uh, have one of their, their voter guides here, for example, to, to show you, and we can talk about this you know, in, in terms of a voter education thing and encouraging people to vote. But that's what I came to Georgia to do. Uh, I'd moved down from Virginia and was in the Washington, D.C. area, which makes sense when you're you know, spending 25 years of my career in and out of, you know, Washington politics, Virginia politics, mm -hmm. and uh, that's been my calling. It was a you know, unique mission field to be called into, mm -hmm. but it was exactly that. You know, when I was in college, I was a Christian ministries major, and um, I was planning to go into youth ministry and college ministry, and I thought that that was what my calling was. And you know, I had a road to Damascus-like experience, you know, that Paul had, and I hear, heard the Lord say, you know, when the 1994 elections happened, Gary, go. Go and get in the middle of that. Whatever that is that just happened, that's what I'm calling you into. And I didn't really know what had happened. It was a seismic election year back in 94 mm -hmm. um, that you know, transitioned power and brought Newt Gingrich in as the Speaker of the House right. of Georgia that a lot of people know. And I wasn't involved in any of that, but I knew that that's what I was called into. I switched schools from a nice Christian college and a big secular school, switched into a political science major, and knew that I was called to be salt and light in the political arena mm -hmm. that God wanted for people that shared our biblical principles to be salt and light in that place. Right. And uh, that was the, the calling and how it's looked in terms of projects and, and campaigns and issues and so forth. You know, that's, that's been, you know, unfolding as my career has unfolded. It's been an amazing journey to be part of, but just trying to be in the center of God's will. That's awesome. And, you know, we're so grateful because I feel like, 
people don't really understand that. You know, I was one time to having a recent conversation on Facebook and we were just talking about government's role in society. And um, I was kind of coming at it from perspective from a, a Christian worldview of like, you know, I don't believe that the government is held responsible for being uh, the helper of the needy and the widow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like that is our Christian responsibility. And so that was kind of what the debate was about. But, you know, the argument was, well, Christians are in government. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. yes, but not the the systems of government. You know, what what does that look like? And how do we (coughs) as Christians influence the systems rather than just you're a person, you're a Christian, and you're in government, you know. So those are things different, you know. I, in my view, I see those things differently. And it seems like God's called you to this special calling to be not only a believer <coughs> that works in government, but also a believer that influences the system, yep. you know. It, it's an amazing um, calling that's very unique. Hard to always explain at a family reunion. It's pro- probably <laughs> be much easier if I'm fell up. Go, oh, yeah, what do you do? Oh, I I do college ministry, and I reach. Oh, that's great. You know, we love you. It's a lot harder to say. You know, I'm I'm in this political realm, which a lot of people see as you know, it's 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 dirty, it's messy, it's yeah. full of sinners doing sinful things. Right. Um. And and especially in this era, it's become even more polarized and and difficult to see. God's spirit at work right um, but I, I say with confidence he clearly is at work it's 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 tough to always see that at play but we know that this is something he ordained mm-hmm. we know from Romans 13 that he gives us a clear um, understanding we're supposed to pray for our leaders pray for those that are in, in power uh, th- as a first step but after that we also have to understand that that is God ordained. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he ordained three institutions. When I did my, my master's in, um, in uh, political management, one of the things that we really studied are, are those principles. And God ordained government, yes, but he also ordained the family mm-hmm. and the church. Right. And those are three institutions that are clearly there. And we need to be investing in all three. Mm-hmm. And we as believers, we're really good in investing in the family, obviously. Right. And here we are in the church, investing the church as a people. But the one we tend to forget is understanding how do we invest ourselves properly and appropriately as as kingdom called people, as citizens here on earth, not just as citizens thinking about our citizenship in heaven. How do we do that in the right way? Invest in government. So mm. that's that's the question I think of the day here yeah. on the. Yeah, this uh, is exactly and there is a paradox. Yeah. You know, there, there's paradoxes yeah. in there. For yeah. sure. which is which is very intriguing because I know for for my generation and the younger generations, you know, the the idea seems to be that we step out of that category. That we, you know, we don't belong in that category. Let the government do what's best for everyone. And I think that as Christians, we need to recognize, you know, it, it is like you said, it is our job to kind of step in and hel- kind of help maybe direct some of mm-hmm. these things. And so, you know, I know that that, you know, especially with what you're doing to find and to get in there and to kind of work that direction is is a big step that I think a lot of people now, especially younger generations, are like, no, 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 we need to we need to stay out of that. Right. That's that's not our thing. So it's very yeah, intriguing it to me. It's kind of like. Uh, <coughs> this is not to pick on you as a millennial, but <laughs> you know us Gen Xers. You yeah, know. yeah, best ever generation. <laughs> <It's a laughs> <laughs> um, but 
in all seriousness, I and mean, we've had this discussion. You're right. I mean, yeah. it's kind of like stay in your lane. Let government. And the the famous line I think we hear a lot, especially from that generation, is separation of church and state. Oh yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. And that has took on taken on a whole new meaning than what I feel like if you really read the original founders of our country meant by that and where that the context of why they wrote that, right? They're coming from a state run religion to a free land to make religion free, you Mm -hmm. know? Uh, And I feel like that statement has been completely hijacked to mean something that it doesn't really mean. All right. So there's two things to unpack there. The first one might be generationally how, how that younger, they can look at it like government is a necessary evil. And that's, that's the, the, the premise is wrong there when we understand from a biblical principles area, Romans 13, that government is instituted by God and it's his institution to deal with a people that is sinful. Right. Mm-hmm. When you understand sin as a root biblical theological concept, then you understand, oh, we do need government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so absolutely. the second part of that is what Trent said in terms of understanding that separation of church and state concept um that was the 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 way we always explain is the idea was to keep um government out of the business of the church right and we've turned it around in recent decades and 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 that's been the the air so there's you know a couple things that are just at work in that secular worldview that we're trying to undo as we point people back to scripture and understanding what what is our basis? From there, then we can start to think about, okay, what role do we then proactively play in the public square? Because I guess the third one, the third air that can happen that people get caught up in is, I just want to focus on being a citizen of heaven. And I just want to think about, you know, I know the end of the story. I know where I'm going to end up one day. And I'm just focused on that. I don't want to be down in, in the dirt and all these confusing issues and who's right and who's wrong and democrats and republicans ah right i I don't want to be in the middle of all that i just want to think about praising my lord and savior and being focused on that next place Mm -hmm. as a citizen of heaven but that's not what god's called he's called us to be citizens here on earth while we're here and be good stewards salt and light those are important principles we gotta we gotta focus on yeah and you know like we've talked many times on the podcast about um first corinthians 5 that we're ambassadors you know Mm -hmm. we're called to be ambassadors we're called to live in a foreign land as aliens yep to be kingdom influencers of that land you know godly kingdom influencers but yeah i mean we we've rocket shipped into the conversation today (laughs) so like half of my i'm like looking at my questions like where are we in the the outline we got got so much more and it's like (laughs) here we go but it's great and i do feel like though because i i don't want to leave this because i think it's a good a a good discussion and i think it ties into where we're going to go but you know it is that idea of what you're saying it's like okay you're saying hey my generation and younger kind of feels like we need to get the Christians need to take a step back and not, I don't even want to say that they don't like politics or they want to send Christians in politics, but it's kind of like, Hey, cause we've been told for so long that, you know, you can't legislate more, uh, legislate, legislate <laughs> morality, legislate, but, 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 but morality. But you know, we've heard that so much, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> that some of that I think has been kind of, 
I don't know, stiff arming, if you would. Yeah, I mean, the, the mentality is who are you to say the government should do this? If the government's here to monitor everyone, right. then why does this little group of people get to determine that? Get to be the ones that determine how government should behave. Mm -hmm. You know, and that, that seems to be the mentality of when I have conversations with mm -hmm. people my age and even the younger generation is, you know, if we let you do it, then everyone should be allowed to do it. And it's like, I mean, how do you argue that from, from a from a secular, secular standpoint, mm -hmm. you can't because they're right. You know, if, if that's the mindset that they're going to have, you know, and, and we talk about this all the time and on the podcast is, you know, you're dealing with a different type of person when you're dealing with a non-believer. And it's like, we believe that there are certain standards or things that just don't hold yeah. true across the board. And so, you know, they're, they're right when they say that, but from our standpoint, it's like, no, but this was something like, as you're, we're going to talk mm -hmm. about today, something we we're supposed to be doing. So I think it's yep. super important, but yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of weird. For, for too long, believers have lost sight that God has called <coughs> we, the people of the church, to go and be salt and light in art, in law enforcement, in science, in athletics, mm -hmm. in every pursuit, including politics. Right. He has called us to have dominion in all those spaces and have influence. Um, it it is always the case that when a law is passed, it is legislating a morality, either the secular world's morality or something that's you know, based on traditionally in our country, you know, Judeo-Christian morality. Right. So somebody's morality is going to be legislated, and if, you, if we step out of that process completely, then we can't be surprised when all of a sudden the morality that's instituted and legislated might tell Christians, hey, you can't be uh, meeting um, in church services like, you know, happens in a lot of countries around the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, if believers aren't involved, guess what? Your, your, your freedom and your religious liberty, that's going to eventually be um, on the chopping block. Right. That's, that's inevitable. Yeah. And that kind of brings me to the <laughs> one of my first questions was, do you believe the country was founded on the godly principles? And because I feel like we struggle with that. And is that true? We get the the cliff note mm -hmm. version of history and then now there's this seems to be and, and I'm say seems to be because there's narratives that get told yep. publicly that a lot of us don't adhere to or maybe we're like huh scratching our head is that right or what I've been told for so long is that a lie and this is the real truth and what I'm where I'm going with that is like you know okay because we had founding fathers who were sinful men and did mm -hmm. some sinful things yep. and used the Bible to justify some of those sinful actions. Can this country really be founded on Christian principles? Yep. How would you answer that to the, to the audience? Yeah. Y y yes. They were all sinful men. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent of our founding fathers were sinful men. Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ was the only perfect one to walk this earth. That does not mean that the government that they instituted hasn't been better than all others on the face of this earth with its flaws and slavery included among them um, hasn't been um, better than all others in terms of what it's done to create human flourishing allowed for the spread of the gospel uh, worldwide mm -hmm. uh, allowed for in recent times and decades the protection of god's state of israel through you know american foreign policy mm -hmm. um standing alongside so so many good things have come from that government now let's back up the, the first question was about judeo-christian principles yes this this country was founded on judeo-christian principles it was not founded as a theocracy right it was not founded with the government's mission to evangelize and 
proselytize is the negative term, um, but absolutely, those those men who signed those documents, 52 of 56, were Bible-believing Christians. The other four were deist types like Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson. They did believe, though, in a creator, and when they wrote those words, um, you know, all men are created equal, um, and they talked about inalienable rights, that was the, that was the foundation. They knew all of them where their rights came from. The rights did not come from government. Those rights were endowed by our creator. They came from him, and the government they formed simply guaranteed those rights that we already had. Mm -hmm. The rights existed before our form of government came into fruition. And when our representative republic was established, it's been, I believe, through the prayers that they had, it was blessed by God. Right, um, right. With its flaws, too. It the was, imperfect though, blessed all, by God. All all imperfections yeah. included everything we come we come to that space where uh, like like a church there's no yeah. perfect church out there yeah, either 100%, you know yeah full of you know if full we had of the whole staff scandals. of yes uh, of first baptist snellville sign a document you know yeah. it would be a perfect document made up of imperfect men that's a good analogy i think a yeah. lot of people don't really see sometimes and we want to say okay because you had a flaw here in your life then you're you're canceled we live in a canceled culture yeah you know, which is unfortunate, I think, because it doesn't reflect the heart of God, and the heart of God is redeeming. You know, the, the heart of God is a heart of forgiveness and restoration. Mm -hmm. uh, cancel culture doesn't really allow for that. Um, but good point. I mean, thanks for answering that, because I feel like so many people wrestle with that. Is that true? You know, I remember one time I took a group of students to Washington, D.C., the to show them, like, you know, we called it the God and tr Country Trip, and it was not to, like, you know, hey, you know, God, you know, God's a Republican. That was not right. the point <laughs> of that trip. It was to show that here were our founding fathers. This is what they believed in. Here's the contrasting things that you see in Washington, uh, Air and Space Museum, Champion, the Big Bang Theory, mm -hmm. and Natural, uh, Natural History Museum, uh, Champion Evolution. So you see these paradoxical ideas yep. in the same place that our founding fathers were coming, as you said, to give us what our creator had already yep. blessed us with, and that's these inalienable rights that we already yep. had. I, I have a question for Philip. Oh he, he shot some at me. So when you think about this cancel culture and your generation, how they're, how they're viewing it, you know, and particularly those who say, hey, I'm a believer, how much does understanding the golden rule come into play? Because for me, that was always something that was kind of, uh, agreed upon within the vast culture, even people that weren't believers, kind of everybody's like, yeah, the golden rule, um, almost every faith belief system on the planet believes in some version of the golden rule. Right. So it's, that's kind of like accepted, but now with cancer culture playing its role, how does your generation address it? Is it just, hey, we're, we're gonna allow that to come, or do we understand, hey, the golden rule, we gotta appeal back to that. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, I, I think the golden rule has had maybe had its fading. And I think before cancel culture, there was this gotcha culture, this, you know, whatever we can do to smear the name of somebody else, whatever we can do to prove mm -hmm. that I'm correct, that I'm right, that what mm -hmm. I believe is superior to something else that you believe, um, you know, and, and truthfully, you know, you know, all generations get their things from the previous, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you look at the history of how the country has operated, you know, we 
my my generation will talk smack about the the next generation, yep. but they'll likely be that way because of us. You know? <laughs> and you know, I think that before cancel culture, the gotcha culture was was a big thing. You know, and, and you look back at politics, you look back at you know the 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 workforce and like how things were going. And it was a lot of whatever I can do to get ahead, whatever I can do to put someone else down so that I'm in place to take on authority and power. And it bled into this cancel culture that we see now where I think that you're right, the golden rule was applicable and it is applicable to uh, most of the religions in the world. But I think that for so long, you know, and Trent and I have talked about this, that, you know, discipleship has been what is a big part of what we try and do here at First Snellville. Mm -hmm. But discipleship was not being used um, in the capacity that was meant to be used in for for years, for for decades, I think. And, you know, then we look back and we get to a place and we go, well, why is why are we in the situation we're in? Well, let's look back at what's going on. And I think that the golden rule, while it's something that comes out of people's mouths, was not always the action that we were seeing. Yeah. And it transitioned into this gotcha thing and what we can do to take advantage. And then slowly it turned into this no rules, just, you know, I will find something that is 10 years old and it will mm -hmm. ruin your life. And yeah. if that's what I've got to do to get you out, then I'll then that's right. what I'll do. And I, right. I think it just was a slow roll. Um, I, I do believe that there was that in between from the golden rule mm -hmm. to this culture we're in right now. Got it. Good answer. Um, so yeah, I, I can see that transition, <coughs> and I can see how that they blade blend together. I think you know as we talk about yeah. generations, and that's one of the things I like about our podcast is that Philip brings a different <coughs> perspective maybe than you and I grew up mm -hmm. with. You know that I don't always see sometimes and he helps me see something that maybe i didn't pick up on amen and uh but you know so that being said so you know our founding fathers proclaimed to know christ and know the creator whether they were some were true followers of jesus and and some were as you said mm -hmm. deists who believed in the creator but not necessarily that we could know him personally and um that being said as we started this podcast the the real crux of the the episode is why should Christians vote or what is, you know, why is it the Christian thing to vote? Like, why is that a thing that Christians should do? So let's kind of unpack mm -hmm. that a minute. Like, why should Christians be involved in politics? Why should we uh, want to vote? Why should we uh, be diligent to vote even? So how would you answer that? that yeah. So, so my good friend, um, Tim Gagline, he has a quote that he talks about. He works at Focus on the Family. And he says that voting is the beginning of Christian duty. And that goes back to that Romans 13 principle, that, that founding concept. And there there's an expression that's used, and it's, you know, render unto Caesar. And that first thing that we need to render, um, we, we talked about the basis. Is, yeah, we want to be praying for our leaders, so that's a given. That first thing we have to render mm -hmm. is our vote. Because in our system of government, we the people is the government. Mm -hmm. That's what's unique and so amazing about our, 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 our perspective is that the government flows from the people. So we do that through voting in this representative republic. We're not a pure democracy. Right. That's another, you know, Civics 101, we are a representative republic. Mm -hmm. it's a, you know, that's, that's different, that's important. And um, go back biblically and you think about when, you know, that, that Romans, you know, that was era when Apostle Paul was traveling the known world and spreading the gospel. And there are examples where he specifically talked about being a Roman citizen. Mm 
mm-hmm. and the benefits yeah. that he had as a Roman citizen, he used. He appealed to Caesar so that way he was taken, when he was taken in chains, he was taken to Rome and he was able to spread the gospel in Rome. Mm-hmm. Hence the letter to the Roman church in chapter 13 that we're talking about now. Yeah. So that's one of those first you know, basic principles. You know, that it, when we apply that principle to our system, we give a vote. We give a vote because we're responsible for that vote. Yeah. Right. Yep. I, I put it out. So I wrote some notes here and this is, I don't want to, uh, uh, you know, this is not like me telling you answers, but because, you know, that's why I brought you here to help explain <laughs> us, <laughs> explain to us how to think through this better. But some of the things I wrote was I really believe that when Philip and I were talking about this, it's like God is sovereign. I believe that. And I believe that God chose the year I would be born, he's chosen, he knows when I'm going to die. You know, he has mm-hmm. that mapped out, you know. I have a permissive will to follow God. So, like, I, I feel like God gives a permissive will. Like, there's things, like, I remember when I was praying about where I wanted to go to college. And really led, laid that before the Lord. Like, I didn't just want to go, oh, I want to go to college here because all my friends are going here. Mm-hmm. I want to go to where God wants me to go. And I had a choice uh, to go to this one Christian school that was, not as boldly Christian, and then to another Christian school. And I chose the other one because I, and none of my friends were going there. My parents, it was far, it was like eight hours away from my house. Mm-hmm. And my parents were like, why are you going there? And I was just like, I feel like God is calling me to go to Liberty. And I, uh, shout out to Liberty, see how I worked that in there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I felt like that's where God really wanted me to be and go. And I'm so grateful that I went there. But I feel like there was a permissive will. In other words, like if I had chosen the other school, I don't feel yeah. like my life would have fallen yeah, apart. He, he could have worked through that. Right. He would have done what he would have done with mm-hmm. me. But I feel like, you know, that was a permissive will thing. But I think that, you know, when it comes to voting, well, God's permissive will gives us the will to vote or gives us the privilege, I say, to vote. Mm-hmm. And in his yeah, sovereignty, yeah, look around the world. It is a privilege. Yeah, in his sovereignty, he has yeah. placed us in a free country that allows mm-hmm. us this privilege. And I think it's it's uh, unthankfulness or just uh, almost um, it's irresponsible. I think for us not to take that blessing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Well, and, and I, I saw that face of oh, that hit me sideways. So I know for me, in some of the way that I've felt in the past, you know, and, and I've been able to vote now since I think uh, Obama's first election run was my first election yep. I was able to vote in. And, you know, I know for me and my friends, you know, we have these conversations all the time. And it's like we feel so often that the options that we're given, you know, when we when they play out, when we pick somebody, when we vote for someone and we, we watch what's happening, I think a lot of times, at least recently, we felt that, the selection has led us down a path where things have not been done that were promised that, you know, it's empty, empty sentences, empty promises that are made, you know, and so it makes, it really makes us, you know, this is just kind of my generation kind of, I guess, through the lens. It, it yeah. Speak the angst if, of your generation. <laughs> if the whole point of the election of me voting is to feel that I'm having a voice in who is there, then why even when the person I choose gets there and they don't fulfill those things, it makes me feel powerless. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel uh, unheard. It makes me feel like, you know, what you guys are saying is it's a great privilege. We should go out there and do it so that yep. when we get there, we get someone in office. And we've been talking about as Christians, we having an influence. But I feel that, you know, 
we're voting for something or someone that is not going to do the things that are being said. And so to that point, it's almost like, well, what, what is the point? Because whether I lose, if I lose and the person I didn't want to win gets in there, then they're going to, they're going to fail someone else. They've already obviously failed me. I didn't choose them. I did pick someone and the guy I picked now has one. And now I'm the guy that is still not getting the things that we were, were promised or were told. And so it just feels like, just pick me. I want to be recognized and I want to have authority and power. And so for my yeah. generation, it's a lot of like, what, what's even the point yeah. anymore? You know, time out referee. So you totally hijacked my question. And went to question like number I four. Yeah, it's I on the know. list. Yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> so I, didn't know. I get the answer. I'm no, sorry. no. Uh, well, before you answer that, because that is a good point, I do want to come back uh-huh. to that. 100%. That's fair. That's 100%. Cool I that. want to get there. Um, but I do want to talk why should Christians vote first? I want to talk about that before we get to the disappointment, the disappointment. or the lack okay. of choices, right? Yeah, and I think this is a circle. Yes. Yeah. You know. So I want to yeah, dive we're gonna in. We're going to get to that part in the circle, yeah, I promise. I, I want to dive into like, okay, w- is this a. True. If we're putting this country with a blessing of voting, mm-hmm. you know, right. we have a response. I feel, I personally believe that we have a responsibility to that Creator who put us here to to do our due diligence. You're saying, well, yeah, but sometimes our choices are really not very good, and so, and those choices don't lead us to the outcome that we were actually voting for. Right, and I, I think just because of the continuity of it and it, the continuousness of mm-hmm. that o- of that outcome it's like okay like clearly this anymore? doesn't work yeah yeah okay well, that, so no, you that's go. great you've laid out the problem <laughs> and that's an that's a normal not, not just for young people but people of every age can feel that same way about you know i think i said earlier our system is the worst of everyone except all the others i think that was a famous churchill quote or mm-hmm. he, he <laughs> talked about the american system so yeah it's not perfect but it has produced amazing results overall when you look at our 250 year you know, plus history. We're coming up on 250 soon. So we, we back up to first principles, always first principles. What is the, the Bible layout? And I think there's a couple additional concepts that we need to unpack. Number one, when we have the opportunity to do good, it is a sin not to do good also. That's a failing um, and that, that principle exists throughout. If we look the other way and we have the opportunity, and that's a stewardship principle, you know, similar to, you know, the, 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 the story about on the, the Samaritan on the side of the road. The Pharisees that, you know, walked by had the opportunity to do good and looked the other way and ignored the, the hurting Samaritan on the side of the road. That was a sin. That was a failing. That was falling short of the mark. And that same principle applies in our system of government. And number two, you think about the greatest commandment. And you have to love what God also loves. Mm -hmm. God loves righteousness. He loves truth. He loves justice. Mm -hmm. And if believers and Christians are not involved in our system of government and in voting and doing all these things, we will not be able to see laws that reflect his righteousness and his justice and those things can be um, agreed on whether you're, a, you're you're secular or you're a believer we could all see 
laws on sex trafficking as we are finding righteousness in a type of law that it's passed. Mm-hmm. You know, laws when it comes to, to racism, we can agree on principles of justice that are in those laws. Right. I would also back up and say laws related to protecting religious freedom. Right. All of those are things that I think from that greatest commandment we can see those are things that, that God loves. And so if we get those principles right, then when we face the apathy and the things you laid out about, hey, the system's not perfect, and man, I got to choose between these two candidates. I don't really love either one. Right. They're, 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 they're both sinners. They both have, have flaws. Um, I, would al- I also remind people of this, and, and you, th- this is a truism. You will never find the perfect candidate, Trent or Philip, until you run. Until your name is yeah, on the ballot, yeah, exactly. yeah. you will never find the perfect candidate. And uh, I know that Lacey, Trent's wife, would say if Trent's name was on the ballot, that's not my perfect candidate. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Right. Yes, so 100%. It, it, it's, 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 you know, again, this system is the best that we have. It's not perfect. We had a long way to go, but we need Christians involved to make it better, to be running for office so those choices are better. Not perfect but better because we're, we're trying to find a, a common good through our system of, of, of laws. I love how you brought it back to bringing it back to us as believers worshiping God, right, and, and, and living out what God loves. I think that's important that in every yep. aspect of life, everywhere we go, that's where we should God bring loves back. order. He doesn't yeah, love chaos. It's like true. He always has. Uh, he's very – I mean – Scripture clearly lays that out, you know. Look at the direct form of government in the garden. How right. did it work? Yeah. <laughs> God laid out the rules. Here are the he rules. He was the, the lawgiver. He laid, government was perfect. Right. Until sinful men and women screwed it all up. Yeah, and took a different direct, took it in their own hands. Look at the children of Israel, right? He, oh, he laid yeah. out their system. Yep. They gave them judges to help them officiate the laws. And then they said what? No, we don't like this. We'll we be like everybody else. We need else. a king. And isn't that yeah. funny how that kind of, we see that cycle of history repeat itself. Because even now, in, in, even as you're talking about as flawed as America's government can be, is still some of the, well, you, you would argue, the yeah. best yeah. in the world. But we're seeing this call to go to something different that has not great track and I'm, right. I'm, this is not going in the political role, but we see some of these yeah. things that we Ju- want to go back to. Just from a religious perspective, it, when you go down the path of socialism and communism, which are godless, it leads to the persecution of believers and imprisonment of believers. Right. That, that's history. But we want to go back to some of these other systems that have failed uh, gr- even more grossly than our current system. I think one of the things I think, too, because we've all been dismayed at elections I mean, anybody that's voted for any time has been dismayed by that candidate of choice or party of choice. In fact, I have a very wise friend. Um, he was a missionary uh, in, in Jordan for some time, and I got to know him there by taking students to do missions with him. And just a, a really humble, wise person. And we would get into conversations about this because he's in the Middle East, right? And we would talk about, mm-hmm. hey, what does that picture look like there? He spent like, 10 plus years serving there 
So he had a good handle on what that environment looked like, government and uh, philosophically was was going through. And w- but looking at it from like a more distant space when he was in Jordan, looking across to America, and he's like, okay. He goes, I know we say there are two parties, but there's not. There's like fractions uh, or splitting hairs different sometimes in those two parties. But now it seems like those two parties have, there's a chasm between them. Um, but I still think they're not as far apart as we're led mm-hmm. to believe they are, <laughs> you know, yeah. honestly. So we always have that dismay of is this, <laughs> is this really going to do any good, you know. But I feel like as a believer, we, there's some responsibility that we have to honor God with the place that he's put us, you know, I guess is that way a good, yeah. way, good way to say it. it? And, and this isn't easy. I mean, I think everything you laid out is absolutely rational and appropriate to feel. And you, you laid out the problem of all problems. There's a reason why in 2016, only 61% of our voting population voted. Right. So, so yeah, 39% of the people in a presidential election year still didn't turn out the vote. Those were of the registered voters. So I said voting, you know. So, yeah, this, this is a problem that it's not just a Christian problem, but we as the church, we should be, you know, a, 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 a shining example because we should at least understand, hey, there's a, there's a calling that God's given us to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, that principle at work. And something you said there, a presidential election, because I think, as of course, we're coming up on the presidential election. Mm-hmm. But I, I think one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast now is because of that. I want people to hear this, and I want people to be encouraged to go vote, not because they hate one candidate or the other, but because this is God-given right that we should honor God with, in my opinion. And then, but I think, too, that this doesn't just apply to gov- uh, presidential election years. Like, this, this mm-hmm. gift is apl- applicable to all the other yeah. r- uh, voting election years or opportunities like in two years when we vote for congress we need to do that you know that needs to be a part and, and of in it. georgia with runoff elections we vote all the time yeah, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. get like double the opportunity <laughs> to be citizens than everybody else well, I, I think that's the flip side of the question that i asked a second ago was you know I, th- I think we get so hung up on the presidential side of it that you know really where we see it impact our lives is local government it's yeah pay attention to your community pay attention to your city you know what the mayor and governor and things like yeah. that are doing that's really where you're going to see the impact. And so, you know, that's mm-hmm. the flip side of that coin is we get so hung up about the presidential debate, you know, and it is a big deal. I'm not trying to make it sound like it's not, but to kind of play on the other side, you know, to, to make it feel like your voice is more heard, you know, I think we, we just skip past the local stuff and we're like, no, we're right. going after the big guy, you know, and it's <laughs> yeah. like, no, pay attention to the little guy. That's the guy that's, that, that's the person that's affecting you know, your schools. It's yeah. affecting your neighbors. It's yeah. affecting you. Right. That's the man or woman that's, that's over, you know, has authority in your area that is going to make those changes yep. a little more realistic. So, so I got some podcast gold here. Let's do some math, some okay. real simple math to okay. show you that power at the local, local level. So let's take a state house district. So here in Georgia, you have a state house member. Let's say there's 60,000 votes are going to determine that election. You know, that's how many people are registered in a state house district. Well, in that race, only half of them are going to turn out the vote. 50% turnout. So now we're at 30,000. All right. So to, to, to win um, in that election year, you know, you get 60,000 registered to vote, 30,000 turnout. You need about 15,000, you know, to win. Well, you know, usually in, in that kind of uh, election, you know, you're not going to even have 
that large of a turnout unless it's a presidential election year. So it's cut down even further. So maybe take another 30% off that. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you get down to these numbers in the thousands to determine who's going to be a house member. And you start to realize, oh yeah, I can see where, you know, that number gets amplified just in terms of you do the simple math because not everybody's registered to, to vote and then not everybody turns out and not everybody's educated. I always use the, the, the reminder, you want to um, register, educate, activate. Registration, education, activation. We want to be registered to vote. We want to get educated on the issues and the candidates and then activated, you actually turn out the vote. And in Georgia, we actually have a lot of early voting and that's already happening right now, so it's easier. I already went out and early voted last week. My wife went and early voted uh, this week. So we do make it a little bit easier than some other states uh, to do that. So, you know, you can have a big impact. But you bring a good point up because, and I'm glad you said that too, because I think elections are are seen on a national front, but we also have elections that need to be seen on the local front. You know, you bring up love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's the greatest commandment. And then the second one is to love your neighbor. Well, there's things that maybe our governments are voting on that aren't very loving towards our neighbors. But we don't vote on them because it's not national, you know. Yeah. I said one of the reasons Christians should vote is because it gives us the opportunity to vote against things that go against God's love and things mm-hmm. that God stands for. And God loves and just loves justice and loves um, truth, right? Mm-hmm. And so as Christians, we take the right to vote, to vote against the things that go against his character. And that may seem like, well— that's not right because somebody else might like that other thing that does. Well, we as Christians are follow yep. are following God, not mm-hmm. secularism, right? And if we truly believe God's word is the very breath of God, his heart that he's written, that has been written on paper, and we truly believe that, then we are to live that out. And we also know that that is the best plan. Yep. That's what I think we forget as a lot of times as Christians. We feel like the Bible is a suggestion and not the best, <laughs> right? you know? And I think that's where we miss it because we kind of have this guilt like, well, who am I to tell somebody how to live their life? The creator is telling right. them how to live their life. We're just repeating what mm-hmm. the creator has said, right? So when we don't vote, we allow other secularism yeah. and other, I would say, as we've done podcasts on <laughs> Satan, society, and hell. You know, we talked about how Satan influences society. And so we're allowing Satan to win some battles because we didn't vote. Yep. Uh, and I think it could be that drastic. Yeah. You, you think about the issues of what government <clears throat> is doing. Government is it in the business of allowing unborn children in the womb to be treated with dignity as life with, with rights that are inalienable or not. Right. Government can be in the business of allowing sexual trafficking and sex slavery to happen or not. Government can be in the business of um, running a gambling operation from the state and taking money from those who are less well-to-do and giving it to middle-class families for their college scholarship funds or not. Those are all real things. Government can be in the business of allowing sexually-oriented businesses to be zoned next to churches or next to neighborhoods or not. Mm -hmm. Those are all real questions that we have to wrestle with and we need God's people, the church, to be engaged in wrestling with those, those questions every single day. You know, that's, that's part of his, his heart's cry. Yeah. Because if we abandon that space, um, the common good and, and people, 
are not going to be be blessed. There's going to be things happening around them. You know, I remember the movie Back to the Future, and when he goes to the the wrong future, oh, it's not That's a world a he wants to see. <laughs> That's a good movie that was done with Michael J. Fox is back in the yeah. uh, late early nineties. Yeah, really yeah, good. I, I, yeah. Part okay, two, I just believe it or not. I just wanted to make sure that he knew yeah. what we were talking about. Believe it or not, my wife had not seen those, and so just this year, this summer, I was like, "You've got to see these movies. <laughs> They're so good." And 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 now we're oh, sorry, even I past that year. I'm not, I was I'm not, I'm not that young. <laughs> What's interesting is the future they showed that wasn't good was a giant casino had taken over the town. Yeah, and yeah. and these things that now we look at it's like, oh yeah, what's what's so wrong with that? What what's what's the negative of that? Just let people just do what it, No, there are real societal challenges and impacts that come from those types of decisions. Right. And a lot of that happens, like you said, Philip, from the local elections that we gotta be aware of. So educate yourselves on your local people that are running for offices, school board. Think about how much the school board controls. Yep. Scary stuff that what they can control. Oh so, yeah. you know, think about those yeah. local elections that you need to educate yourself on and, and do your due yeah. diligence. The, the blessing of our system is we have local control over education. Yeah. Not just one national, one size fits all approach, but with that blessing comes an opportunity and responsibility for us to impact our school board and the type of people that are on there and the, policies that they promote that's right so you know we've gone we've like all over the notes here but <laughs> it's my been, fault no it's been great I, everything that has some way or another tied into what where i wanted to go um i do want to bring this up and i think this might kind of tie into what you kind of brought up earlier a little bit is you know we believe that god is sovereign overall and god allows things and doesn't allow things in his word he says that he directs kings and rulers of nations right and that basically they are their guardrails around them <laughs> that God will has control over them you know that sometimes we forget that mm -hmm. that God is hands off like you know not not in control of the world and not control of uh creation but he is uh but well, it's like the deist think you know they think he's just a watchmaker and he wound up the watch and then just, just let, it, let go. it go right and hands off and yeah we'll see what happens but he's not he's not like he's active you know psalm talks about how he knows us and how he knit us together in our mother's womb he knows everything about us you know he knows every single hair the numbers of the hairs on our head and, and everyone all of creation you know that's how detailed of god he is so why would he just wind it up and let it go you know so that being said some might say well if he knows everything if he's omniscient he knows everything what's the point he's he's going to do what he wants to do and i don't need to vote yep, yep. how would you answer that first so, so we hear the same argument in terms of evangelism and whether we should <laughs> share our faith yeah if god already knows who he's going to save or who will be saved and that's going to happen one way or the other why do we even need to be involved mm -hmm. um God uses people and blesses us through using us in his will. Um, so I go back to biblical examples and, that are just phenomenal. Think about the story of, of Queen Esther mm -hmm. and the place that God put her and the amazing uh, story to be able to have her be queen to a pagan ruler in in be positioned in the exact right place, and, and catch me on this, Esther was the first lobbyist. 
<laughs> that is a term in politics. Like that's like used car salesman. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Nobody wants to be a lobbyist. And for the record, I've never been a registered lobbyist, but <laughs> I do lobby on issues and bills. I you know I advocate for a position. Well, Esther was the first lobbyist, mm -hmm. and she lobbied the king on behalf of her people mm -hmm. and God put her in the exact right spot to do that mm. and she was in the center of his will and he was sovereign and saw what was going to happen but he, he he used her as a vehicle to protect his people at a moment of of peril uh, think about Daniel and the story of Daniel again he's this 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 guy who's part of the government in a in a pagan land and, you know, Daniel was part of the government structure. Mm -hmm. You know, he was working for a, 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 a godless uh, king, and God was using him as well to provide good government. Right. You could say, like, yeah, that was needed. People were blessed through having good government. In fact, in the Daniel story, we, we really see this and uh, that you see basically he's made ruler over that land. I mean, he, like, has a lot of authority yeah. that the king just said, okay, Daniel, I trust you because you've been able to do these things. You run that, Yep. you know? Yep. Big responsibility. H huge. And, and the Lord wants to see godly men and women who are responsible in places of influence to be able to do the right thing and to righteousness and justice and fairness and the rule of law all of those things because he's not a god of chaos he's a god of order and the final one i'll mention is joseph and he's probably my favorite one yeah. here again you know he comes alongside a, a, a pharaoh who's not out for the benefit of you know the hebrew people necessarily but god uses him in a position you know when famine had swept the land he was an amazing organizer logistician ruler he gave him these great talents of organizational ability and and god positioned him perfectly to be able to uh, save his people again and just time and time again you see people put in government throughout the bible and playing in the middle of god's will with the talents that they've, they've been given and not only just for god's people but for the well-being of people who didn't worship him think about you know yep. in joseph's case the egyptians they didn't worship God at that time, but there Joseph is, Joseph is second in all command only to the king. And God, he obeys God's wisdom. Hey, put aside the famine's coming. You need to start storing up this, and you need to do this, and you need to do these things so that not only will the Hebrew, my Israel, my nation, my people will be saved, but also the others will be saved. Mm -hmm. You know, And I think that that's something that when we look at scripture to know that God's will is perfect his plan is perfect and if we walk in that that not only will we as believers be blessed but the world itself will be blessed amen you know and I think we forget that a lot of times yep. all right that's good so if, if you know if God's sovereign we still have an active role to play believe it or not we are rolling and <laughs> time is flying and as I always encourage the people, hey, you know, if this is going too slow, you can always bump the speed up. It goes a little <laughs> bit faster. I, you know, listen to us at one and a half times. I, I I'm listen. A, I'm a double time guy. Yeah, you, you've made it to two <laughs> times. I can't do that quite yet. But all right. So let, I got a few more things and then we'll kind of put a bow on it. But it's been such a great discussion. Um, 
how what would you tell people um or what would you say to a person who says that you know i'm not voting and we kind of already covered this but i want to make sure we kind of tidy this up a little bit i'm not voting i dislike both parties philip said it Mm -hmm. we're disenfranchised we don't like either one of them they are all liars and they never do what they say they're going to do and they just keep over promising under delivering yep what do you say to that person well typically if somebody's coming at you with words like all never (laughs) these you know these kind that that kind of all-encompassing take you know that's probably not being fair to either side right uh at, at but you know, that, that is an expression that's entirely natural and normal. So we have a very polarized electorate, and the parties have separated quite a bit. Whenever a country does not face outside pressure and outside enemies, it tends to be mm-hmm. at war with itself domestically. Mm-hmm. It tends to be inwardly looking at questions that need resolved and haven't been. And countries and nations, they go through these types of cycles pretty regularly. And when we no longer have the outside threat, perceived threat that we had during the Cold War for decades, and we don't have the outside threat before that World War II, and we don't have the outside threat of the War on Terror, and ISIS was defeated, all of a sudden we turn inward and we begin to have these big questions and we have a polarized electorate because there's different visions that are cast by each of the parties. A lot of people tend to get wrapped up with just at the top of the ticket. And I would encourage you to look more broadly than that. At the top of the ticket, yes, it does tend to be very, very polarized. And as you move down, less so. And you know, don't just singularly get locked in on that one top voting item. When I went into the polls here in Georgia, I voted on probably 30 different offices and ballot questions. So it's not just one thing you're voting on. You're looking at 29 more after that. That's where you have to you know, make sure, yeah, I'm, I'm up to date on my voter registration. I get educated on these issues, and then I cast an informed ballot. And yeah, maybe you're not comfortable with you know, one of those offices, and you, know, you don't vote that one slot on the ballot, but you vote the rest. Or you write in somebody that you are comfortable with on one of the slots, and then you vote on, on the rest. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, it, it is your right in our system to undervote, is what we call it, as political scientists. You know, a lot of people will vote on president, they'll vote on Senate, they'll vote on Congress, and then maybe they haven't studied the rest, and they're like, I, I, I don't want to vote. Right. I'm, I don't know the rest of them, I'm just not going to vote. Those are undervotes, but we want you to be educated and, and, and playing that stewardship role all the way down the ballot. Right. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I haven't voted yet, because I haven't gotten all my education done yeah. on some of the lower uh, questions, some of the lower candidates that yeah. I've got to do some more research on, but, you know, plan on doing that. And so that I'll be educated when I go it, there. And, don't and go you got voter guides yeah. like this that a lot of organizations show, you know, down, you know, on ballot initiatives, on, you know, there's more resources online than ever before. Right. We're in an information age, so it's out there. Right. It doesn't take much but a couple clicks away, and you'll, you'll be there. Just a few, few moments of taking the time, sitting down, educating yourself so you can vote on some very important issues for local and... E- even those, those millennials and Gen Zers with their Google machines, yeah. <laughs> they can yeah. figure this out. <laughs> well, I, you know, I know for, for me, you know, um, you know, voting outside just the two parties you know, or the two that are op- offered there, you know, I know I have a family member that 
you know, I was like, you know, I don't know that I feel comfortable voting for either one of the two that are available, you know, in whatever capacity. And, you know, I may, I may write in and I mean, just lashing after lashing of for you not to pick one of the two is really a vote for the opposite one. And, you know, I, I've, I've heard that a lot. My friends have heard that a lot. And it's like, but isn't ultimately at the end of the day, isn't it about me picking somebody that I think best represents? And, and I think that I think that that mentality has really gotten down and, and really ruined in my eyes. And yep. I think in a lot of our eyes ruined the how this platform was supposed to work. Yeah. You, you, you were casting a prayerful vote in the scenario that you brought up. You're following your conscience and cast casting a prayerful vote. Right. That's what you're called to do. <clears throat> we do have a system that is primarily a two-party system. Yeah, of course, um, of course. And we can always argue those those very basic mathematical, well, if this vote doesn't go here, that's not what we as believers in the principles that we've laid out are called to, to answer for. Right. Um, all of that is real in a political science term, you know, way. Of course. And that's what I, you know, I, I do. And, you know, as we look at those things and there's lots of you know, academics that will write papers and all that, but it's not what we're saying is your biblical duty, your, your right. stewardship right. role um, in what you're, you're, you're called to do. So right. Hmm. And, and in a lot of ways I argue, you know, if Christians would vote that way rather than the philosophy of, well, vote, vote for some random third person, that's never going to win. Yep. You know, if more people would vote the way that they were really probably more biblically aligned with, we might actually begin to have that influence that we've been talking about today rather than just this mentality of, well, if I, if I pick the guy that I know I really should be voting for, if I write his name in or write her name in or whatever, then someone else is, you know, the big guy is going to win on the other side, and I don't want that. So yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to suck it up, and I'm going to vote for the other big guy that's on the other side of the, the lane. And so, I think that it, it has to go deeper than just, you know, get out there and do it. But you know, mm -hmm. as we're talking about right now, vote for someone that actually aligns with what you believe in. That's that's your duty, you know, is that you're making sure you're doing that. And, the good part about a two-party system I found is that it'll often inspire people who don't like their choices to go and be reform <laughs> agents and run in one of those parties mm -hmm. and begin to influence it in the direction that they're looking and be that candidate. Mm -hmm. And we have seen those moves throughout those par the parties at different different places in our history. You know, in the, in the 19, um, late 70s and 80s, we saw a lot of uh, of Christians and, and, and believers look at you know the parties and say hey I'm not being reflected there one party was moving drastically to the left after the Vietnam War and the sexual revolution say hey I'm not reflected in that party and then they invaded one party for lack of a better term and weren't welcomed in that party invaded that country club party and began to influence it and move it and turn it into a party that actually believed in oh life. yeah yeah because you know there was a, a point where, you know, n neither party had a, a position on the dignity and sanctity of human life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we saw those results because people said, hey, I don't like those choices and it's not reflecting me. So I hope that we will see every generation, whether it's millennials or then Gen Z, will be faced with that question. Yeah. Do we turn away and just say, ah, I'm well, sick of this? Or do we step up 
and engage. Right. Well, I think we kind of saw that with the last election, you know, not not to push the, the Christian side of it. But, you know, I think a lot of people were tired of the career long po- politicians being president. And, yep. we, you know, we so we ended up seeing Trump, who everyone was like, there's no way right. that this guy ends up getting out there. Yeah. And it was like so many people were tired of just the politician. They yep. were like, let's get somebody in here represents, you know, to some degree more of us regular disruption working yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly (laughs) we want a disruptor in chief yeah 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 Yeah. i mean yeah there's a lot of that so i think that you know even in the last election we saw exactly what you're talking about is like i'm a lot of people didn't feel like they're being represented by the career-long politicians and so that's i think i think you're totally right we saw we saw that in the last election for sure saying the last question because we do have to land the plane someday (laughs) um what do our votes represent that people might not realize that go beyond just like we we're just talking about like okay we normally see the two the presidential candidates okay here's here's and we feel like that summarizes what our vote represents but as we just discussed mm-hmm. in a very good discussion about what if they don't really like go with my convictions well i feel like votes have long-term consequences and and i've personally stood in the position of okay i might not like that person but where is that person, you know, what is his campaign saying they're going to fight for and go for that would outlive that candidate? That's kind of sometimes mm-hmm. where I don't, if I don't like the candidate, I go, okay, what is that person about that would outlive his candidacy that would line up with biblical principles? And mm-hmm. so sometimes that's where I'm left to vote, right? And so how would you answer that? Like, yeah. how can you explain that sometimes these votes go beyond just the actual person? So four years ago, there were a lot of people that struggled with the ability to vote for the choices that we had at the top of the ticket. So let's get back to that example. And a lot of people, you know, held their nose and voted for, you know, somebody that didn't, from a character perspective, they felt like represent the Christian church. Mm -hmm. But they, they did so because ultimately personnel is policy. And a lot of people said, hey, maybe I don't like the top of the ticket, but maybe I really like this Bible-believing vice presidential candidate that's next to him and the people that are going to be influencing him and have roles in policy throughout the executive branch. Maybe I like the fact that there's going to be 4,000 people you know, put in place in the executive branch that are going to oversee uh, foreign policy, that are going to oversee uh, pro-life policy, that are going to oversee what judges are picked, who's appointed to the Supreme Court. And all of those things are real because personnel is policy. And the things that outlast any president in particular are their lifetime appointments, Mm -hmm. and that's judges. And in particular, Supreme Court, those, those judges sometimes are on the Supreme Court for 20, 25, 30 years. Mm -hmm. Beyond one term of a presidency, a simple four years, their legacy is most reflected in terms of those lifetime appointments. And then all of the work that happened with the personnel that they put in place, think about the work that has been done in the State Department and Mike Pompeo, um, his work, and, and what has happened to transform the Middle East in a way that there are new allies surrounding Israel. Right. There are historical events. Yeah, h- historical events that are radically changing that we never thought would happen in the Middle East, and that's because of the policy 
has, that has come out of the people throughout the State Department that have been working on issues. So beyond any one term of a president, all of that's true. <clears throat> the same thing has happened on pro-life policy mm -hmm. and things that have been happening in the Department of Health and Human Services that the average person's never going to know about, never going to see because internal policy documents and executive orders don't get the kind of coverage that tweets do. Right. But all those things are happening and have huge impact and and impact real people in their lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I could go on and on and talk about tax policy right. and, and talk about criminal justice reform right. that was done actually on a bipartisan basis. Historic, massive changes in terms of our justice system. So there there's a lot there. And all of those are reasons to to help people be comfortable about the votes they cast beyond just uh, thinking about that one person maybe at the top of the ticket. Right. That's what I'd love to leave people with. I want to say it was uh, uh, focus on the family that put this out. I think um, Dr. Dobson maybe said this. I want to credit him. Maybe it was someone else, but look it up. Go f go do your research and figure it out. Maybe I should do my own research. <laughs> but <laughs> You need a production assistant. Yeah, <laughs> but I, f I feel like he, he made that comment of don't vote personality. What, whatever you do this election, whoever you vote for, don't vote personality. And I was like, man, that's, that is, that's a more powerful statement than on its surface. Like, you yeah. think about that <coughs> statement. Don't vote on a personality. Yeah. Vote worldview and then the issues that flow from that worldview. That's what you want to look at, you know, first and foremost. Yeah. And sometimes there's not the fundamental worldview, but all the issues line up. Right. Yeah. Um, so you're looking at both those and, you know, that can really be a good guide. Personality can distract you a yeah. lot of times. Right. Kind of what is our, our the word the word God tells us that our hearts deceptively wicked. Right. And our emotions are, are just as wicked and lead us into different bad choices. So I know I'm not telling you to vote for. I'm just telling you don't vote personality and don't vote emotions. Vote on policies. Vote on true real issues. As you said, yep. through a, vi a biblical worldview lens, and lead, uh, let that lead you and guide you in your mm -hmm. in your conscience. Amen. I think we could end there. I think that's a good way to end it. Um, yep. So we it. always love to give the uh, you know challenge. Okay, now what? You've you've bantered about this for <laughs> for an hour plus, and so now what do I do with it? What do we, what do we say to the people? What do we do with what we just talked about as Christians' I, responsibility? I got it. Remember, get registered to vote. Get educated on the issues and turn out to the polls. The polls are open right now. Yeah. Go. Yeah. So that couldn't be said any better. Thank you for uh, no, uh, listening in. Tune in to another episode of the Paradox Culture Podcast. We're so grateful that you're here. Thank you for your following. And uh, pass it on to your friends. And if you don't like us, what, Philip, should they do? Don't say anything. Don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and very much thanks, Gary, so much for being yeah. here. And you great job. It I was really an appreciate honor. your insight and the way God's leading you to make a difference in our world, in our nation, and uh, all the hard work that God's called you to. So thank you. God bless you. And thanks for being here. Amen. Thank you. All right. Follow us on social media. We'll see you next time for episode number five, which we haven't determined the topic yet. So it's coming. Look out for social media. You'll hear what it is. Take care. See you next time.